that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace. This is the word of the Lord. This congregation has been 118 years in the heart of this city. The cradle that we used for the baby Jesus on Christmas Eve night came in the back of a covered wagon 118 years ago when a young pastor named Chenoweth, young wife, new baby, came into Indian Territory to establish a church for the Methodist Episcopal Church South. And 118 years later, we are still here, celebrating the birthday of our Lord. The Caesar called Augustus ruled for 41 years in Rome. He circulated throughout the empire that he was the bringer of peace, the Pax Romana. And Luke dares to write, well, not really. It wasn't the Caesar Augustus. It was a baby born to a very poor couple at Bethlehem in Judea. Tonight we are here to celebrate the coming of the real bringer of peace. I have four things for you to think about. Number one, this passage says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds, and they were terrified. Terrified. When the presence of the Lord is so close. A few weeks ago, the Rotary Club of Tulsa had as its speaker the head of the agency in our state that has everything to do with licensing wind farms, particularly in the western part of the state. And this speaker told all of us Rotarians that these wind farms have grown bigger and bigger. That if you could see one of the blades up close, you would discover that it's longer than the wings of a jumbo jet. That when the tip of the wing at its greatest height, this blade, it is taller than the Statue of Liberty. That it takes 30,000 pounds of concrete to hold up one of those great turbines as it turns in the winds of western Oklahoma. And then he said, Isn't it amazing that the winds have come whistling down the plains all these years, north and south Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and has done so little good all of these years, when that great power was always there and not being utilized. Christina Rossetti has written, Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow their heads, the wind is passing by. And the Bible says God took a deep breath and breathed into humans 
his own ruach, and they became living beings. And the Christian scriptures talk much about being patient until the holy ruach of God comes, and then you shall be my witnesses. Number two, this passage from the Gospel of Luke says, I am bringing you good news. Good news. To those who were terrified, I'm bringing you good news. Henry Wordsworth, Wadsworth Longfellow was 54 years old when the Civil War began. He was already a distinguished professor at Harvard University, teaching English literature and writing himself. We know him from beloved poems like Hiawatha and Evangeline, any number of others. But he was also an astute observer of what was going on in the great Civil War. He read daily about the carnage of that war. There were times when the troops were getting farther and farther north into Pennsylvania. And he envisioned these great black mouths of the cannon firing north against south and south against north, belching out smoke and fire and death. He was a religious man as well, and he wrote about hearing the bells on Christmas Day. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then this one messenger was joined by a host, a heavenly host, saying, Glory to God, glory to God in the highest. Ashley Johnson has written that she and her family had all come together for a Christmas Eve. They had all gone to a candlelight service very much like this one. They had decided to bring a two-year-old into that service, and she said... He made it pretty well until the time of the lighting of the candles. And as the light was passed from candle to candle, it got to their pew. The last time he had seen candles lighted, his birthday a few weeks before. Everybody else was singing Silent Night, but he was singing Happy Birthday to You. And Ashley wrote, As I heard this precious child singing so softly underneath all these hundreds of voices. I could hear the Almighty singing, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. When you glorify my Son, whom I love, you glorify me as well. And on earth, peace. Shalom. The word shalom means far more than absence of war. It means literally well-being. It means that God is concerned about your every need. 
If you are hungry, God wants you to be fed. If you're thirsty, God wants you to have something to drink. If you're frightened, God wants you to have calm and peace in your heart and life. If you need shelter, God wants you to have a warm place to sleep on a cold December night. God is the one who said there shall be peace. First of all, in the hearts of humans, and if there is enough of that peace in the hearts of enough, there will one day peace, be peace on all the earth, that you are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dr. Fred Craddock has written about his being professor at Phillips Theological Seminary in Enid, Oklahoma, when he was a very young man. We United Methodists finally understood what a terrific talent he was and offered him a prestigious endowed chair at our Candler School of Theology, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. But when he had completed six years as a professor at Phillips, when it was still in Enid, Oklahoma, he was granted sabbatical. Must be a nice thing about being a professor. You get every seventh year off. And so he decided while he was still young and his wife was young, they would spend a year studying in Germany. And he considered all the seminaries and finally decided to make application to the one in Stuttgart, and he was accepted there, and they moved to Germany. So they were immersed in the German language for almost 12 months. He said just before Christmas, he read about a special seminar being conducted in Zurich, Switzerland, and decided that he would go down for that weekend. The seminar was over, and now he was eager to get back to Stuttgart to have Christmas with his wife. He said, I was trying really hard to speak only German. I got on the train. It was crowded. I looked compartment after compartment, filled, filled, filled. Finally, he said, I came to a compartment where there was one much older woman sitting alone. And I asked in the best German I could muster if I could come and share the compartment with her. She acknowledged that it was all right. He said, as the train started to move, I geared up the best German I could and asked, Bitte, wo leben Sie? Please, where do you live? And she answered, Rostock. Oh, my, I thought. I'm going to Stuttgart in western Germany. She is going to change trains and go into the communist sector, east Germany. I thought of the words I asked, Are you communist? Nein, she smiled. I am a Christian. He said, I'm an American. She smiled and said, Yes, I know. <laughs> she said, my grandchildren say America is the happy land. This was 1968, 69, and he said, well, it's not been so happy lately. A man killed our president. Another man killed a candidate for president. Another man killed Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we're having riots in the streets about the Vietnam War. It's not so happy as once it was. He said, she was looking out the window. We passed a little village up in the Alps. She
she took out of her purse a tiny little music box, cranked it on the bottom, and it started to play Silent Night. As she looked out at the twinkling lights in this village, she began to sing hardly more than a whisper. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, all is schläft einsam wart, nur das traute hoch heilige Paar, hol der Knabe im wolkenschen Haar, schlaf in himmlischer Ruhe, schlaf in himmlischer He said, I was getting hungry. I'd bought a long sandwich in the train station at Zurich. I decided maybe I should share with her. So I was trying to break this sandwich. The bread was really tough. I was trying to tear it as nearly in half as I could without taking the wrapping off of it. You have to remember Fred Craddock's about five feet three, probably weighs 130 pounds. And he was trying really hard, he said. And when finally he felt, I got it, and started to offer her half the sandwich, he realized she had taken an orange out of her purse, had peeled it, and was offering him half an orange. And he said, as the train sped on through the night, we had half a sandwich and half an orange. It was like communion, he said. It was like communion. Do you know how far it is from Rostock, communist Germany, to Enid, Oklahoma? An atlas would say it's about 6,000 miles. I tell you, it was the width of the communion table.